you know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this? Old Jack always says, what the hell? And thanks for listening to the Gutting the Sacred Cow podcast. Kevin Goatee here. Hope you guys are having a great Memorial Day weekend. A few quick things. One, please follow us on all social media. Facebook, Instagram, Gutting the Sacred Cow. Twitter, at GTSC Podcast. Just do that. It does help us. If you can write a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to, please do so. That also helps. And Gutting the Sacred Cow website, guttingthesacredcow.com. Check that out. Lastly... This episode is really cool. Why? Because J.L. Calvin came on to do 2001 A Space Odyssey. Kevin and I have known J.L. for a while, and J.L. has caught fire as he now calls into the Howard Stern Show as Donald Trump does a monster Trump impression. One of his videos went viral. That's how he's gotten noticed. And J.L. and Donald Trump make an appearance on Gutting the Sacred Cow. So give it a listen. J.L. does 2001 A Space Odyssey. Thank you guys so much again for listening and watching. We appreciate it. Here you go. Gather round, here's what I know. It's just that this cow has got to go. I know some people kind of like it, yeah, it's trending right now. Yeah, that doesn't matter because we're good in the sacred cow. Sacred cow, everybody! Yay! Kevin Israel, we are back! How are you, Kevin Israel? I see your hair is out of control. It's growing, man. It just keeps growing. You know, and I hope you enjoyed our last week's episode, and that was Matt Atchity from Rotten Tomatoes and the Adam Carolla Show doing the usual suspects. And I hope, yeah, he did kill it. And also, Dave Landau will be coming up next week doing Philadelphia, so get ready for that. But before we get to that, we are going to get to a guy I've known, we've both known from him for a long time. He's had me on his podcast several times, and now he has just caught the lightning in the bottle with his amazing Donald Trump ep- uh, impressions. He's been a stand-up forever and a day. Is how many albums now, JL? Four? Six stand-up Six. and two albums as Trump for a grand total of eight. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Content master. Johnny Cash times four. <laughs> JL Coven, everybody. JL Coven is here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, sir. You're a movie guy. We've been talking about films in your podcast many a times. JL has opted to choose. This one made Kevin and myself scratch our heads. This is not one that you know we thought was a beaten path kind of film that people are looking to take out. JL selected 2001, A Space Odyssey. Got to ask, what made you decide to choose that one? It is, when, based on the criteria of the show and what movies you want to do, it was, uh, I did not know, fortunately it did, I didn't know if it matched the box office requirement, but I knew that it was this real film school, film critic, film snob, like darling that, oh my God, because it's Kubrick. Like anybody who really wants to sound like a real film expert, they name Kubrick as their favorite director. And this movie, I have seen it now, Rewatching it for this show, I had seen it. It was the fourth time I've seen it. And I just thought to myself, I was like, I've never understood it. I've never enjoyed it. <laughs> and it is so critically acclaimed. And it was on like the AFIs. Like it was in like the top 50 or 60 of their 100 greatest films of all time. And I said it was, it was a no-brainer because I just thought, what are movies that people think are amazing and I hate? And it was like, this was like literally the top of the list. 
and interesting yeah, I don't think, choice. I, don't people, I feel like it's the industry telling this movie, telling us this movie's great. I refuse to believe there's people who could honestly. Well, let's get to it. <laughs> Kevin Israel, the old IMDb one to tenor. What did 2001: A Space Odyssey achieve? Oh, this was that had to be a strong hand job. I'm going to say a nine six. Eight point three. Wow! Wow! Rotten Tomatoes critic score. Ninety three. On the money. Give him both showcases. <laughs> Audience score. I, I, you know what? Just out of my satisfaction, I want to say it's like a 63. 89. That's what and, you said, and JL said film snobs. If anyone says Kubrick is their favorite director, they are a film douche, not a snob. <laughs> that 89 is proof that people are afraid to say what JL just said. I don't get it. I want people to fucking say, I watched this film not on acid, and then rescore it. That's what I want, is honesty. Now, JL mentioned our criteria. Remember, folks, all you need is just one of the three criteria to hit. But this film hits all three, as we just talked about. Obviously, very critically acclaimed, very much beloved. And now, financially, a $10.5 million budget in 1968, which translates in today's dollars, 796 it grossed, much I thought it'd be. grossed in 1968, 146. Oh, my God. <laughs> Translating today's dollars, 1.1 billion. That's, that's a lot of people on acid going, you got to go see this thing. Basically, this movie is the Avengers minus all the Avengers. Yeah. Just lights and space. And people are like, yes. <laughs> oh, you forgot one other thing. And fun. Yeah. <laughs> quotes wow. Kevin, Kevin Israel quotes did you have any quotes uh no no I I just didn't want to experience this movie being there was very little dialogue I felt there was even less opportunity for quotes and if you really Dave. wanted yeah, yeah yeah Dave open the pod doors Hal that's it that yeah. is the only thing I could even want to write down which I did not no quotes JL any quotes that uh, stuck out in your end no, just, um, I mean, day, like Hal dying, but I don't even remember the quotes. I just remember him like saying, Dave, that weird song. I'm, I'm scared, Dave. And like, <laughs> God, that, that no, no, there's four times I've seen this movie and all I can tell you is Dave and Hal open the pod door. That's, right. that's it. I mean, I, I couldn't quote the whole conversation, but his, uh, his exchange with his daughter in the phone booth, I just thought that was all, it just was like. Have you, do you have kids? No. Okay, well, go write how you would talk to your daughter if you didn't see her, if you weren't going to see her for a while. By the way, Kubrick invented FaceTime. That's one of my notes I have. <laughs> and that girl, Kubrick's daughter. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Daddy. Yeah. Five. The winner oh. of the Sofia Coppola Award for <laughs> worst placement of your daughter in a movie. Yeah, but at least Kubrick only had her on his, in his scene yeah. for 45 <laughs> to a minute and a half. That's it, thankfully. Five fun facts. Five fun facts. Whoa, five fun facts. Five fun facts. Five fun facts. Five fun facts. Kubrick tried taking out an insurance policy with Lloyds of London to protect himself in case alien life forms, not ALF, the 80s hit sensation, alien life forms were discovered before the film's release. Lloyds of London said no. <laughs> there are so many drugs in that decision. 
Cooper that sounds like something out of a parody. I'm sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. Like I'm gonna step on you. That sounds like something out of a parody about a pretentious filmmaker. <laughs> like, this, yeah. If this is not a Christopher Guest film, the next three, <laughs> I don't know what is. Sorry, Fred Lillard, you won't be a part of this film. <laughs> Number two, Kubrick supposedly burned footage. Uh, sorry, Kubrick supposedly burned extraneous footage, but it was found in a Kansas Kansas salt mine in 2010. That's what we find in 2010. Well, how much footage total was shot? 200 times the final cut. 200 times is the total footage shot. Can you <laughs> imagine how many miles of film that must have been? That's I just want to know, was it like... Was it just multiple takes, or was it whole just separate storylines? I'm gonna guess the second. I got. I got to think it's the second. But Pink Floyd was approached to do the music, but they could not because of other commitments. One including making an album that I will never listen to. And my last fun fact: two hundred. This is very specific too. Two hundred forty-one people walked out of the screener, including Rock Hudson. He asked, "What the hell is this about?" Arthur Clarke, who wrote the book, said, if you completely understand 2001, we failed. We want to raise more questions than answers. Anybody who writes a story and says something like that is an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. That's a Alex Rodriguez fucking caliber douche level right there. <laughs> I think the, my, even those fun facts, interesting as they were, Thank you. Probably rank very low on the fun level compared to a lot of the fun <laughs> facts. Yeah, that's what this movie is like. You can't even actually, you can come up with like some interesting facts at best. Like nothing around this movie in any way is fun. We, this <laughs> is a two game losing streak in the fun facts department as this and Parasite had very lackadaisical <laughs> fun facts. I feel like the filming of this was the anti Caddyshack. <laughs> where everyone's getting high on set and yeah. well, they were, well actually they were both getting high on set yeah, right different style of trips but you're right the laughing fa- the, the, the the entertainment and laughing off camera yeah, there was no fun um, there was no fun on Kubrick's set th- this is this must have been the equivalency of being in Sunday school on Super Bowl Sunday exactly fair but now we don't need to got the sacred cow because JL Colvin called Dib. so now JL Colvin it is your turn to the, Yet the, the sacred, sacred cow. I hate this movie. <laughs> I gen, I genuinely, I kind of. It's the kind of movie when somebody tells me they love it, I in my head, I try not to show it on my face, but I like lower my opinion of them. I'm like, oh, I didn't know you were like one of those types of people who like says you love 2001. Um, it starts the music. The only compliment I'll give this movie is the music is a plus. That's it. Like it's, it's great music and everything. I, I actually own the soundtrack. That's how much I like the music. This was pre, uh, pre streaming, pre uh, iTunes and everything. Like when you're like, I like that one song. Yes. I will take that $10 album, please. $10. Uh, you did not go to Sam Goody and buy that CD. I promise you that. <laughs> But, but it was, uh, I mean, I'm not even sure how to start. Like the movie, the most interesting part of the movie is the Neanderthal origins of World Star. 100%. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> and once that ends, you're like, oh, that was kind of interesting. Although even in that moment, if you had just told me, 
you know how Full Metal Jacket, another Kubrick movie that ha- that starts with a great forty minute movie, and then I turn it off every time after that first forty minutes. Like clockwork for me as well. Yeah, it's like that is the greatest short film I've ever seen. I have no idea what happens after uh, <laughs> going pile. pile dials. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and that's fine for me. But but this movie, it's like it has this like twenty five minute like Neanderthal primitive man sort of intro that is mostly interesting except of course then the the um monolith the black monolith shows up and i don't know what that is obviously it represents some sort of hey this is like knowledge or or some sort of cosmic thing they go crazy and learn how to use tools from it and then we leave them we're done with them and there's this jerk off like hey look how he turns the bone into a ship in space even though it's actually not that great a transition (laughs) but 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 at the time they were like oh (laughs) you know like i'm sure it was like the you know this they just kept replaying it like the zapruder film in film schools like no no look look and back and the the left yeah back and to the left (laughs) and it's these long gratuitous sort of i guess they were impressive at the time that's the the problem is i guess you have to give some credit to if he was advancing film or uh, camera shots at the time, but it's really just a director going, yeah, I have no dialogue. I have not much of a script. I'm going to do some unconventional, maybe cool things with the camera. And maybe in 1968, that was cool. And it does not translate today. But I was thinking to myself of other movies, Terminator 2, which I'm sure you're both a fan of, Mm -hmm. uh, both fans of. That's a movie that if you look back at the effects now, you're like, oh, we've really come a long way in the morphing kind of effects. But the movie's really enjoyable and fun. You're not sitting there taken out of it because the effects no longer hold up compared to 2020. You're just like, this movie's still awesome. And like this starts, I mean, this movie is like stuck in a time capsule where you're like, I guess if I was alive and aware of movies in 1968, maybe I could remember 50 years later. You know, actually, I remember we'd never seen anything like that. But if you're not in that group, Right. It's not that imp- there's nothing about it that's so visually impressive that holds up or makes me go wow that's and then if you're not impressed by the effects what are you going to be impressed by the weirdness of it the the fact that you leave you're you're just okay artificial intelligence that's kind of interesting and and then I get into this confusing ending so it keeps like the best thing I can say about the movie is each third, the first two thirds of it, the Neanderthals or whatever they are, and the HAL system both have interesting elements to it. And then I'm like let down. And then we get to the final third, which is just like, what in the fuck is there a giant baby in space? Like, what, what is that? Like, you can't, it's easy to make a movie if the goal is just to confuse and hope people call it profound. This is like modern art. This is like a modern art version of movie. It's like I threw paint on a canvas and sold it for $2.5 million. I'm a genius. So That's what so it kind of felt like. It's like a Jackson Pollock effort. I, I even feel like there's more effort. Into, I mean, no, both take a lot of effort, um, but I don't get either. <laughs> what would, I, I, I'm curious to know, what would Donald Trump have to say about 2001 A Space Odyssey? Well, let me ask him. If you would excuse me, please. I would go right ahead. <laughs> This is, hello, welcome, we're getting cows. I think we're doing, whatever. you know, Nikki Haley would not be okay with this show because she's an Indian, by the way. They're very big into the cows in the, uh, where she's from. 
Well, what I would say about this movie is it's a little confusing, okay? But I like the fact that you basically never see, after the first 20 minutes, which is just basically, I don't know if that's Chicago or what's going on there, but there's a lot of violence, okay, gang violence in the first 20 minutes. And then we get to space and it's nice because it shows as we get to the future, all white people. So I don't think this, I think JL is being a little too harsh because it shows a beautiful future where it's like, only white people and they wear like very cool futuristic clothes and do cool things with machines in space. And it's, uh, I think it was pretty nice. I don't think it's the best movie, but I think it's a sort of a solid, you know, B plus based on just, uh, the messages racially. I'm surprised Mr. President, you're, you're not a, a big fan of, you know, science to a degree. So, and you, and you yourself have said you missed the days of gone with the wind and, Sunset Boulevard films of that ilk, but this film back in the day, very obviously science fiction, very advanced in its filmmaking skills. So I'm surprised to hear you say that you like this film. Well, I like the fact that, like you said, it's science fiction. It sort of proves that a lot of science is fiction. You know, you can't really trust the science. So I think it sends a good message there. And I think, you know, with movies like Gone with the Wind, you know, it's once again, it's showing us that trajectory where, like, you had, that's a big word, by the way, trajectory. the you had some blacks in Gone with the Wind, okay? Mm. But then we get like 170 years later, 150 years later, no blacks. It's just great people, probably of like Scandinavian, like Norway, Finland, those type of people in space doing great work. And and you know, I was I was just disappointed there was no space force. I, I was going to ask, yeah. would you ever would you watching this movie? Did it lead you to think that we should send the space force to Jupiter? I think it was, it, it, it did. It crossed my mind, of course, because, you know, the mission to Jupiter was a very strong mission. And I don't think it turned out so well, you know, you end. Now I'm very pro-life, okay, very pro-life president, but I was a little concerned about the like 14-foot fetus in outer space. I don't, I don't know if it was going to, I don't know if it was going to make it, to be honest, you know. I don't know how it was going to get born. But uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe there's a sequel with a baby, you know. Is this, something that, is this something you watch at the White House with Melania and Don Jr. and Ivanka? Is this something that's a family affair for the Trump? Well, it's kind of funny to watch movies with Melania in general because she just doesn't get any of them. You know, this one was funny. Like, she doesn't get, you know, the English is not, is like her fifth language. And uh, let's just say it's not be best when she speaks. Uh, but I will say that the, this movie is kind of fun to watch. You know, you ever like do a laser pointer and watch a cat? like run right. around and sure. try to catch the light. That's what it's like watching Melania watch this movie. It's like all the lights and all the different texts. She has no idea what's going on. It's, I'll be honest, I don't use this word a lot, but it's kind of cute to see her struggling <laughs> so much with, uh, with this film. Uh, maybe you and Jim Acosta can get together and share your, your thoughts of 2001. Maybe he, like it, maybe he likes it as well. Maybe you guys could break bread over that one. I don't think he's smart enough to like the film, to be honest. He's a showboat and he's a nasty fake news Gotcha. Any, uh, any other final words about 2001, Mr. President, before we let you go? No, just that I hope that 20-foot baby, I hope it's, uh, you know, if it was born in 2001, you know, it couldn't vote now. So hopefully there's like a 50-foot human walking around somewhere, probably Texas, because they're very big there, and hopefully it votes for me. So uh, 2020, you know, maybe is the sequel, where the big baby becomes a big Trump supporter. We'll see what happens. Appreciate your time, Mr. President. Thank you. Thank you. Let me go get the failed comedian again.
<laughs> oh, hey, guys. Oh, wait, what's up? <laughs> well done. We got the present. <laughs> well done. Now, this is the, uh, continue with your argument, if you would, sir. Yeah, it's uh, – I just – I, I have tried this movie. I think the reason I'm so confident in my opinion of this movie being just annoying and it's not to say there aren't elements to it, but I'm one of those people that thinks, well, a movie can have good elements to it or can do new things, but that doesn't automatically make it a great movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like somebody can use a camera technique and maybe that's good for teaching film editors or cinematographers but it doesn't mean the whole movie is like a great movie. Right. And right. I feel like it leans on that confusion. And oh, it's very, it's very artsy and very, Ooh, I, I don't know what's going on here, but you know what? Better to say, wow, very, so interesting. Such a genius film. Instead of saying, I don't, I get some of it. Like I get some of it and I've seen it four times now. And I don't like, I don't enjoy it. But not every movie has to be enjoyable. But I also don't find it as in, very interesting either. Like, I'm just like, this feels like somebody just threw a bunch of, like, ideas together into a two-and-a-half-hour movie. And we're, that's all we're left with. We're just left with, like, wow, that was, a, like, a, a mixtape of, of interesting <laughs> ideas and nonsense. <laughs> I mean... I under, it's funny how you say you don't find it interesting, yet you've seen it four times. I understand one time the first time, and then this time to help us yeah, watch our podcast. I'll, I'll but ex- the additional two times, I must know the uh, the logic here. Well, well, the first okay, the first time was a was a high school film class, so that was just okay. And I was like, I don't know. But then probably ten years later, it was playing seventy millimeter screen near where my brother lived in D.C. This really nice theater, and he had never seen it. And I said, I'll give it another shot because. You know, like maybe maybe seeing it on the big screen will really turn it up and maybe I'll pay more attention to it than I did in class. And I left with my brother, who's a very thoughtful, smart guy. And we just looked at each other. I was like, I don't I don't get it. <laughs> and I don't remember the third time I watched it. I'm sure I just was like, let me see. I, am I missing? You know, the third time was the am I missing something? Let me just make sure it's it's it. Maybe it's me. Maybe. You spent 10 hours of your life with this movie. <laughs> wow. Well, although you got to discount one was, was a class in high school. So like that's, that's better true. than doing another class, I guess. Barely. <laughs> the fourth time was for this show. So that was just so I was, I was Fresh. refreshed. So got it's it. really three views and some homework. Any, but, uh, any other bullet points you have here? The floor is yours for as long as you want. I mean, I already said the music was good. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting. I have no idea where those actors are who are in the movie. Maybe they, maybe they all quit acting. Because uh, I feel like the guy who starred in it, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Kira like, or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Julia. I'm like, it's weird that you're like the star of one of the big, amazing films of all time. And I have no idea what else you did. <laughs> maybe you got burnt out from five years of filming with Stanley Kubrick. But... I just think it was, it's such a, it doesn't hold up also futuristically. Now I know some of that, some movies like Alien, if you look at their vision of the future, it's kind of weird and off, a lot of blinking lights and stuff. But a movie like Minority Report, which was, is 18 years old already, really seemed to to have an an eye for the future of tech because it's all 
touch screen and like wiping things. It was like they were inventing the iPad before the iPad came out. I'll go back one better. Demolition Man, goddammit. Did they do that? They were doing, they had keypads and stuff too, but they had the FaceTime. They were doing other things. Oh, well, they, yeah. see, so there you go. Yeah. It's been a while since I just saw Demolition Man. But Love that film. Demolition they had the Man's 20. Three seashells. Dem- <laughs> Demolition Man's 25 years old. I know. So maybe more than that, just, more than that, 27. Yeah, I saw it in high school. 93, 97 oh, it was years 93. old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, there. If, you're, if you are one of the revered film classics of all time and Demolition Man managed to be like more precise in its depiction of the future than, than you are, then I think that takes you down a peg in terms of, you know, the genius of your film, your vision of the future. Um, I think that's like Blade a Blade Runner. Blade Runner even probably captured the future a little there's bit. A, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was a yeah. weird, almost steampunkish future, yeah. but it still felt like something like maybe we end up there. We're not ending up in 2001. <laughs> right. Like, t- ugh. I, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm sort of rambling, but there's just, I don't like anything. It feels like I could speak for an hour because I don't like really anything about the movie other than the music. And, 90% of the opening 20 minutes with the, with the primitive peoples. But three minutes of that was pure black screen. So, Oh my God. Thank you for reminding me. I that thought was my so opening many, beat. Yeah. Oh my God. I was literally sitting at the T in front of the TV. And I said, is something wrong with our TV? Cause I did not me remember too. this. <laughs> and too. I said, is me our too. T this is like a new TV. Yeah. What happened? And I was I like, Googled. I Googled. <laughs> is this supposed to be happening? <laughs> and it was, and then the, the, the like credits start. What a pretentious, like mm-hmm. then the, op- it wasn't like the old classic films, like 10 commandments where it'd be like the 10 commandments overture, right. you know, where you're like, Oh, I guess they just did this for the score and to set the scene. Yeah. This one was just like, what's hap- Is our screen not working? Yeah. yeah. And, and then that just big blue MGM logo. Yeah. And I was like, and I, was oh, like I guess God. this is, I guess this works. <laughs> I, I would love to know what the logic behind that was. Like there was no outside of just the building of that music, it did nothing. Like I don't want to. It's one of those movies where I sometimes I'll leave a theater. There have been a few times where I've needed some elements of a movie like explained, or I've done like some research. Like what was that about? And I go most of the time I go, Ugh, I'm annoyed when I have to do that. I mm-hmm. wish it was a little clearer. I'm not a dummy. But sometimes there have been rare cases where I read about. It, I go, Oh wow. That's actually, there were some elements of the show Watchmen on um, HBO that when I read like how deep the creator's thinking was on the show, I actually said, well, I got 90% of it, but I'm actually glad I read that because that did make me go, wow, that's deep. Like, like he really thought through some serious things. That, that was cool. But with a movie like this, I don't even care. Like if there was a documentary about, by Stanley Kubrick just like explaining 2001, I'd be like, I don't care. Like, I don't want to know because you, your movie annoyed me. And there were so many elements that need explaining that I don't even think you could fully explain it. So. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I, I, the director's commentary track and the DVD, which I don't own or will never own, will not be my future anytime soon because that's got to be the, <laughs> another 200 times the final cut footage with him rambling on on an acid trip that no one gives two fucks about. But if, can I say one thing? If I had like a, a Borat type show, I think what I would do, not obviously as Borat, but I would just convince like film students and film snobs that I had like a rare six hour director's cut of 2001 and invite them to like a screen <laughs> and just like almost just 
basically repeat the film, like edit it. So it's a, you just, you're just making a five-hour film where it's like looping at certain yeah. points and like you add in some extra technicolor nonsense just to see if people are like, you know, people should really see the director's cut. I mean, it's a great film, but God, when you see the full vision that Kubrick wanted, the you realize how minutes of the spaceship <laughs> just going through space. Yeah. <laughs> really, it really made me feel what space travel is like. You could, and, and here's your talk. Here's your target group. Anyone who bought the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the extended cuts, that is your target audience by far. Wait, was, so are you saying I hate the real enemy is me? <laughs> yes. You mean you sat through four and a half hours of the two towers? Oh boy. Uh, do I that I at least you don't have to be a fan, but that is. I feel insulted on behalf of that whole film crew that you would toss them in the same light as 2001. I hate, I, I, it, oh, not, it's not as bad, but the two towers is walking and walking and walking and walking, 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 walking. All right, enough of that nonsense. You think about, you think there are a lot of blowhards out there? You're right, because now we have critics, five star reviews. Five star reviews. Five star reviews by critics. Way ahead of its time, Stanley Kubrick delivers one of the most influential and important films of all time. Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey is the picture which science fiction enthusiasts of every age and in every corner of the world have prayed, sometimes forlornly, that the industry might one day give them. It's a profound, I know, oh, they love words that don't ever go together. It's a profound statement on humanity. It's one of the greatest films ever made, and it is one that should be seen in the theater to truly appreciate its greatness. My makeup was smudged because I had tears running down my face. The beauty of the cosmos. I loved every minute of it. The beauty, that scene where they're going through the, uh, where he's, you just assume he's traveling through space, it looked like, like guitar hero. The whole time I'm like, oh, <laughs> I get That's it. Hilarious. I, I don't think I could play it, but I get it. <laughs> the devil went down to Georgia on extra hard. Oh fuck! Uh, this is this is level five. I don't know that I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> now critics one star reviews. By the way, these films all called the latest. Oh, sorry, the one that's furthest out was from the year 2000. So it's nothing from like 1968 or or thereabouts. Critics one star reviews. Critics one star reviews. Critics one star reviews. <laughs> a whimsical space operetta then frantically inflates itself again for a surreal climax in which the imagery is just obscure enough to be annoying, just precise enough to be banal. A small sphere of intellectuals will feel like Kubrick has said something <laughs> simply because one expected him to say something. Most moviegoers most moviegoers will only wish that Mr. Kubrick would come back down to earth. Who wrote that? Because I'd like to send them like a gift card or something. Yeah. I've never felt more connected to somebody reviewing a movie. <laughs> yeah. Two more. Now, seen in the actual 2001, it is a less visionary masterpiece than a crackpot Looney Tune. Pretentious, abysmally, abysmally slow, amateurishly acted, and above all, wrong. <laughs> the, the movie is so completely absorbed in its own problems, its use of color, 
and space, it's fanatical devotion to science fiction detail that it's somewhere beyond between hypnotic and immensely boring. Now, we're going to get to the more fun sections because now it's time for Amazon five-star reviews. Amazon five-star reviews. It's time for Amazon five-star reviews. Five-star reviews. You have to get into an almost zen-like frame of mind to be able to sit down and watch this movie. It is slow. Very slow. The word meditative was used in one description. As it starts out, you see nothing but blackness on the screen for several minutes. With this ethereal, otherworldly soundtrack droning in the background. I don't remember this from when I watched it as a kid, so I skipped ahead just to make sure there wasn't something wrong with the playback. But it's okay. Just go with it. <laughs> Sounds like a rapist That's like somebody getting ready to rape somebody. I just said that! <laughs> I said the rapist is getting in the act. Next one. Has not... <laughs> Relax, this, baby. Casper's yeah, here. It's okay. <laughs> this one is almost in written haiku form. Almost. Has not been surpassed. Never will. The message is sublime. Next one. The greatest film ever made will be studied until the end of time. I stand by this statement. Kubrick was able to achieve amazingly, still hold up to this day. I read it as is. I don't insert grammar. Not for me. But I'm no film critic, so I'll shut up. Bottom line, watch this movie. Next one. And thankfully, the extra material finally explains what the ending really means. Not, you are really meant to ponder the meaning, not be given it spoon-fed. This movie is meant to have the person think about it. What the movie is is not, it's not a bug hunt. It's not a shoot 'em up It is not the Wild West in space. That's one of those reviews. That one you just read is like, that's such a cop-out. Sure right? is. Like nobody, nobody thought it was going to be star. You know, I, I don't know. There was no Star Wars at the time, but nobody. I assume I don't. I didn't go see that movie thinking it was like pew, pew, pew. Like no, I knew it was a serious, thoughtful, critically acclaimed drama about space and mankind. But like to to immediately go to the sorry, no lasers, no blood. It's like oh yeah, but that that doesn't just because you think the movie sucks doesn't mean you were like. Hey man, where were the aliens and like shooting? Like there's a, there's a middle ground where it can be an interesting movie that doesn't have aliens. I'll empty my bank account and say that that guy works at Barnes and Nobles and it will give you the, uh, you're looking for the fiction section Ugh, over there. <laughs> Almost a Bill Maher. The comic books. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon one star reviews. Amazon One Star Reviews, Amazon One Star Reviews, Amazon One Star Reviews now. The boring and drawn-out lack of story make it almost tangibly painful to watch. However, when your name is Kubrick, anything you poop out is hailed as genius. As an art film, it's great. As a masterpiece of cinema, it fails. I don't know that even great as an art film. Yeah. Love sci-fi, and this was honestly the worst movie I've ever seen. Recommend not watching it. Waste of two and a half hours. Save yourself. I wish someone saved me. Was let down by the four and a half stars by almost 4,000 reviews. Watch Interstellar instead. I say, you had me until you said, watch Interstellar. (laughs) Not a fan. I'd still watch Interstellar over this. I would too. Yeah, without question. Unable to screen in a classroom setting. I want a refund. I say, funny, I'd rather watch a school shooting than this film. 
Some reviewers will say it's art, and if you read the book, you would understand the film. In my view, if you have to read the book to understand the movie, it is a bad movie. Recommend skipping it, but if you're a glutton for punishment and you want to see what all the hype is all about, I would definitely have the fast-forward button ready. Mm-hmm. Okay, not the best. That was the next review. Such a well-known and talked-about movie, but I guess that's because of what was the audience 40 years ago. For today's well-educated and experienced audiences, this is more of a torture. CIA should have used it in Gitmo. We could have found Bin Laden about 20 years faster, right, guys, if we would have used this film? Okay. Probably. (laughs) To the film students, watch this so you know what bad filmmaking is and avoid all the mistakes. First problem is there is no story, so make sure you get a good story first. I say the first Wolf 2001, there is no story in 2001. Last and not least, maybe a 16-year-old male who's never had sex and was mildly drunk or stoned would genuinely like this movie. Everyone else is pretending to like this. Oh, and Greg Gutfeld might like it as well. Greg Gutfeld? Yeah. Is that really what it said? It really what it said. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd like that, that one, did you? <laughs> I go, hey, that's uncalled for. I love Stuff Magazine back in the day. I don't know about you guys, but I sure love that magazine. <laughs> Great Gutfeld gets a fucking mention in the Amazon. <laughs> and you know what? To what you said before, JL, not only were the five fun facts not as fun, they were more interesting. Even the goddamn five, the Amazon one-star reviews are our favorite segment because yeah, all, all the miscreants come out guns blazing. And these were at a six at best, so... I blame it you just for- doesn't it, – it just – this movie, like, lulls you to, like, to, like, low energy, apathy, like, disappointment so that you're just kind of, like – by the end of the, the, watching this movie, if you were to sit down and write a review, you'd, the, the attitude would be like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> like, that, that's, that's what I would be able to muster. It wouldn't be like, here, point A, B, C, D. I'd be like, um, this movie, like, tired me out from, like – boredom and like disappointment so just don't see it i'm going to sleep (laughs) kevin israel i'm going to go over my notes first because i'm sure we may have the same score notes i think the editor from planet of the apes is looking for his misplaced footage how about you guys (laughs) i want to set fire to two people the editor of this film and jl Coven. very beautifully shot this feels like epcot and space mountain mash into one this is the avatar of the 1960s. No plot, all picturesque. Was Kubrick the inventor, inventor of FaceTime? I already asked that. Oh, the kid asked for her birthday a Bush baby. She didn't specify. Was that George W. or Jed? Or was that just racist slang? I couldn't figure out which one it was. <laughs> I wanted to know what a Bush baby was. I didn't look so that up. So did I, yeah. The music choices, as you said, are amazing, but they drag on. This is the biggest musical slash non-musical I've seen. This is high school musical high without abs, bulimia, and blowing casting directors in hopes of starring in Neighbors. By the way, (laughs) what weirdo lays around without a shirt but wearing shorts, sneakers, and Bono shades besides Bono? (laughs) Way too much filler in between, but to be fair, the scene going into space to fix a satellite took less time than it takes an improv troupe to make me laugh. (laughs) <laughs> enough of the dark screen we get it you're avant-garde and you like yoko ono move the fuck along and an hour and 32 minutes in something finally happens the last act was only meant to indulge those who drop acid during the previews nothing more 
2001, the number of minutes this film felt like. 2001, the number of times I said, fuck you, J.L. Carvin. <laughs> I give this movie a resounding three. I hated this film. It is pretentious. If you say you like it, you're lying. You want to see... This is Kevin Israel. This is on our Mount Rushmore of films people say they like just to seem smart. Hated this film. It's only getting two style points because at the time, it's very beautiful and picturesque. But other than that... It, and very, very uh, forthcoming with the AI component. Siri, you know, 40 years after the fact, but fine. But this film sucks. I hated it when I saw it in college, and I fucking hate it now. <laughs> Fuck this film. It's a three. Kevin Israel, go. Unlike you, I actually want to thank JL for making us watch this. <laughs> because I always get, end up in this awkward situation where people ask you, what movie do you hate the most? And I never have a solid answer. I, I always just like, stumble around. Is this now, it? Is now this I can is really it? Really I, I, I can really get a visceral hate going and people will be like, oh, he hates that movie. <laughs> so thank you for that. You, you, you rounded out my library of movies. So yeah. that, that was cool. You hate, uh, this, wait, you hate this more than Caddyshack 2? Yes. Wow! Yes. There is some entertainment value to Caddyshack Oh, too. no, there's not. Oh. It's, no, this was worse than Caddyshack 2. Okay. This, because right. this thought what it was. This was... This was that guy who walks down the street just barking out shit and he has no idea what he's saying, but he thinks he knows what he's saying. And this and he's, is that and, movie. And he's wearing, a tweet, he's wearing a tweet coat with elbow patches, I would surmise. I was picturing a guy in like a, a track suit and a slick back hair, but yeah. <laughs> um, it's in you. So, the, so the, the, I was going to bring up the black screen, but we, we covered that. The, I like that the movie just shits on evolution and is like, nope, you guys didn't pull this off yourself. A, a, a giant iPhone is what passed along the ability <laughs> to fucking put together using a bone to kill something. You didn't guys didn't you? Otherwise, you guys would still be throwing shit at each other. Um, but that was that. I I totally agree with JL. That was the most interesting part of the movie. But <laughs> man, those costumes didn't hold up. Like they did. They had to know putting those on, being like. You know what? I think in 20 years, this is going to look like, like you'll be able to get better Halloween costumes on Amazon than this. Um, the, uh, the, the switch to the space uh, scenes, the, uh, when he goes into the bathroom and there's just the Magna Carta of, of instructions on how to use the bathroom, and however confused he was with that was how I felt watching the movie. He must have been like, you know what? I don't have to take a shit today. I'll be fine. I'm not gonna. Not even gonna I'll, I'll hold it. I'll go. I'll dookie my spacesuit and then change out when I get back from fixing the uh, the problem outside in space. Yeah. And I like that the space station airport still looked like 1960s airports. Like they didn't even try to be like maybe they'll look a little different. No, they still they still look like that TWA. We could be smoking in the in line fucking airport. Where's your Where's your boarding pass? Um. But the well, look when it when it gets down to it, the the stuff on the when they were actually on the spaceship going to Jupiter, that was where it should have been interesting. The movie, the whole movie, should have been forty five minutes long. If this movie was forty five minutes long, it would have been a, an okay movie. They would have gotten the points across. You would have watched it, said okay, I I get it, and moved on. The fact that it was two and a half hours was just him shitting on all of us, being like, no fuck you, you're gonna watch this, and I'm just gonna drag shit out. Even the exciting stuff. Even when the guy got his airline cut and he got jettisoned from the thing and you should have been like, oh shit. I was like, all right, I guess good for him. He died. He doesn't have to live through the rest of this hour and a half of crap. Um, then the, uh, the, the whole ending 
was he, Kubrick, he so there's an interview with Kubrick where he explains what he thinks the ending meant. And then he says, but I never wanted to say any of this. But he goes into it. And apparently what the ending meant, and unlike JL, I, I look up movies constantly. Because I'm always like, I'm not smart enough to get what they're saying, so I need to know. Kubrick said that, the, so what happened at the end was, and by the way, I didn't get any, none of the explanation of the movie I got. So the, 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 uh, the, the big the thing on, on the moon was supposed to let the aliens know that humanity has gotten to the point where they could get to the moon. And now things had to be set in motion. Then that communicated with the, uh, with the, the thing in Jupiter and said, you need to turn on because there's probably going to be humans coming out to check you out. And we need to get ready for them. And then that sent them, that opened up like a, a wormhole, which sent them to an alien zoo where they were being examined. And that was the house that he ends up in going through his life. And he experiences everything at once. The Kubrick said he experiences that entire moment just like the audience does. So I imagine he was frustrated and wanted to turn it off because that, I didn't get that. And then at the end, he, the aliens are basically done with him and they go, all right, well now we're going to give him our intelligence, just like we gave the monkeys a little bit of intelligence, send him back to earth and he's going to cure all of earth's problems. And that's what they sent back to earth was the space baby or star baby or whatever they called it. Right. And that was also explained in the 2001 novel, which the novel sounds like it was marginally better than the book, marginally better than the movie, which makes me hate this movie more because they could have just stuck to the book and it would have made sense. But instead, Kubrick had to be like, no, I'm a douchebag. I'm going to make it completely incomprehensible. And so in closing, I didn't like this movie. <laughs> that said, would you give it a, you gave it a three? I did. I give it a two. We always have the same goddamn scores except today. Wow. Wow. I give it a, I give it a two. And it gets those two points because it was such an important movie. And, I, and like JL was saying, I have to give a little credit to I wasn't watching it in 1968. So I might have had a different mindset. But there was, just, there, was no, there was no plot. There were no character arcs. There were no problems and resolutions. There was no climate. There was nothing that makes a story. For thousands of years, humans have been telling a story. And Stanley Kubrick was like, I know better. Fuck you, Stan. <laughs> when you ask people about this film, what the two answers are going to give you, like what two things that come to mind, free association with 2001, go. They're going to say how, and they're going to say the fucking music, and that's it. They're not going to remember the monkeys. They're not going to remember the bullshit on Jupiter. Nothing. There is no memorable dialogue, as you just aptly had said. There's nothing memorable about this fucking film except those two aspects. And But again, as you also just said, too, without this, there's not Star Wars, I, I dare say. Without the, There is no Star Wars. There is, I, don't, I guess, Buck Rogers, too. Not that he had the impact on society as Star Wars did, but Alien, another one. I mean, Jesus, Alien, the, the, the shots, the ship itself, for Christ's sakes, very, uh, you know, pretty much yeah. copied this film. So this film was the pioneer, but they died of dysentery on the first mile of their journey going yeah. west. That's what I say. This film fucking sucks. Kevin, <laughs> well, I don't have to ask you this question because we all know the answer. Did J.L. Coven gut the sacred cow? No, he did not. Why? Because this film gutted itself, not him. <laughs> this film, uh, th this film committed seppuku five times over. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give JL the credit of gutting this sacred cow. All right, fair. I feel, I feel like, but if there was a debate between him and somebody who loved this movie, there it wouldn't even be it wouldn't be fair. 
Like, <laughs> right. like nobody could argue against his points, and I feel like the movie would be taken down. So I, I, I think we award him a, a gutting because. All right, you know, I'll give him a gutting. But yeah, he was a travesty, and he he made his points. I don't I don't think it was a particularly hard movie to like dislike, but I just I felt like it was necessary because it it just gets treated like this automatic. Sacred oh, oh well, it's, it's yeah, exactly. Oh well, you know, no, two thousand one is just a landmark film. It's amazing, and I'm like, Ugh. it's not the God, like the, the Godfather. He, the Godfather is one of those movies. That, oops. Oh yeah, twenty ten, right? Yeah, it sounds. I mean, it didn't do as well, obviously, and Kubrick wasn't involved. But it follows the the sequel, the second book, and it actually sounds like he did. He followed the second book. Oh, it's so like, like a regular movie, movie probably. One hundred percent, and that's what they said. They were like, it loses a lot of its artistic impression in favor of storytelling. And I'm like, oh my god, why would a movie ever want to storytell? And that and that film is called Starship Troopers. Yeah. No, I, I fucking love Starship Troopers. I'm just kidding. That film's great. I do love that. JL Calvin, where can we find you, my good man? Uh, JLcomedy.com. JL Covan on Twitter. Uh, youtube.com slash jl covan and i have a weekly podcast as trump uh, called making podcasts great again Fantastic. go follow him on twitter he needs to get to one hundred thousand. yeah, 10, <laughs> yeah <almost> that's there. <laughs> right <laughs> kevin israel where can we find you besides not a barber's chair yeah well you can go look at my absolutely barren calendar on my website um you can get my album the struggle is real on all the places where you get albums and uh yeah that's really it not much going on over at KevinGoatee.com as well. That calendar is as barren as Stanley Kubrick's head right now. Ugh. What else is going on? GuttingTheSacredCow.com. That's what's going on. Go over there. Check out. We've got a, I put an article on a blog up today, as a matter of fact. Go give that a looky loo. You, you had a lot of motivation. I gave you, a look, give you credit. Oh, thank you. You woke up today and were like, I'm making a list and getting shit done. <laughs> Check out the blog. Check out our merch store. We've got hats, shirts, mugs, whatever. Whatever you have our smiling faces on your chest, head, derriere, I don't know, whatever. Gutting the sacred cow. Great artwork, by the way. Great artwork on the the show, like for real. Oh, thank you. It's like awesome. Appreciate that. And uh, you will hear, oh, Gutting the Sacred Cow on all social medias, GTSC Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, just good old Gutting the Sacred Cow. We'll be on IBM TV in the next week or two. And starting from there, we'll be streaming on that. Yeah, we are very excited for that. But for this, and thank you, JL Colvin, and of course, President Trump for coming on our podcast and and all taking down <laughs> all hell of the chief and taking down 2001 a space odyssey kevin goatee kevin israel thanking you jl Ben, for coming on gutting the sacred cow we'll see you next time